Morning Church, thanks for joining us for worship today. We begin a new study today, and it's from the book of Ephesians, Created to Do Good. We're going to have a study of Ephesians. You probably remember this graphic. We did a study of Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. A couple other translations. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. For we are His work of art, created in Christ Jesus and ready to be used for good works. One more, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing good things. So, created to do good. That's our theme as a church for this year. So, we're going to do a study of the entire book of Ephesians. And we'll cover one chapter a week for the next six weeks, leading us right into Easter. So, let me give you some quick introductory information regarding this book called Ephesians. This letter was written by Paul around A.D. 61 from Rome. It was written from Rome because Paul was in prison in Rome. Notice his credentials. He writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle. That word means one sent with a message. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So Paul is an authorized spokesman for the Lord Jesus. Paul speaks with the authority of Jesus. And again, this is one of the prison epistles. We call it one of the prison epistles because Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, those are the four prison epistles. It was written to the church in Ephesus, although some people think it may have been written to the region of Ephesus. It could have been written to a lot of Christians in that entire region, and it's written to Christians. Paul calls them saints, people like me and you. They were tradesmen and craftsmen and doctors and lawyers and politicians, and many of them were slaves. Sometimes we don't like that word saints. Sometimes we give it a a wrong connotation. For example, you might think of a saint as a holier-than-thou person. You might think of a saint as an almost sinless person, but that's not what that word means. Saints are people just like you and me. Saints are people that have struggles and difficulties. Saints are people that have struggles at home and in their marriages, and they have struggles raising their children. They have struggles everywhere, just like we do. Struggles just like we do, just like these early Christians. And Paul's going to, in chapter 1, he wants to remind us of who we are. The people to whom Ephesians was written, they were struggling with their identity. They were struggling with an inferiority complex. They didn't know who they were. They were struggling with drunkenness. They were struggling with greed. They were struggling with sexual immorality, with filthy language and family problems. They didn't know how to treat each other inside the church. They didn't know how to treat each other outside the church. And they are self-conscious about being Gentiles and, and their previous way of life. And furthermore, they're afraid of Satan. And they don't know how to deal with Satan. And they don't feel equipped to deal with Satan. So they're struggling from a lack of confidence. They don't feel like God's mercy and grace. They just don't feel like they should be recipients of that. They don't feel like it will cover their sins. They don't feel like it's available to them. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you feel like sometimes, I just don't know if I deserve God's grace and mercy. 
They're struggling from a lack of power, and they, they don't realize that the God of the universe is making His power available to them to live each day. And so they, didn't know, uh, they, they don't know if they have the strength. They don't know if they have the power to resist the devil. Maybe you feel that way. Which is why Paul in Ephesians 6 is going to talk about putting on the full armor of God. But maybe you feel like on a day-to-day basis, I just don't have any power. I don't have any strength. I don't know how I can fight against Satan. They're struggling from a lack of maturity. Many of these Christians had not been Christians very long. And so Paul's going to tell them, you need to grow up in Christ. They're struggling in their relationships. Again, they didn't know how to treat each other. Inside the church, outside the church... They weren't humble with each other. They weren't gentle with each other. They were lying. They were full of anger. And they had filthy mouths. And finally, they are struggling in their lifestyle. They just aren't quite sure what it means to live the Christian life. And so they're still struggling with sexual immorality and greed and drunkenness. They don't know how to be set free from sin. In other words, they're just like us. They don't know who they are. They need to mature in the faith. They need to grow up. They need to learn how to draw on the power of God instead of drawing on the influences of the culture, which is interesting and encouraging because Paul doesn't spend a lot of time talking about what they are not. He's going to tell us in chapter 1, this is who you are. This is who you are. Paul wants these Christians to see themselves the way God sees them. Paul wants these Christians to see themselves through God's eyes. God views them through the lens of grace and his will. So Paul is reminding them, hey, you're created in Christ Jesus. Again, our theme this year, created to do good. That's who you are, created in Christ Jesus. That's God's plan for us, created in Christ Jesus. Why is this important? Because if you don't remember who you are, you struggle in how you live. People who doubt their position with God often doubt the way they live, and they don't remember who they are, and they struggle in life. They struggle from a lack of power. They struggle from a lack of passion. So Paul, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, there's six chapters, in the first three chapters, he's going to tell us, this is who you are. And then in the last three chapters, this is how God wants you to live. He can't tell us how God wants us to live until he teaches us, reminds us of who we are. So Paul's trying to communicate that we are valuable We're not valuable because of anything we've done. We're not valuable in and of ourselves. We're not valuable because of our deeds and our goodness. We're valuable because of who we are in Christ Jesus, created in Christ Jesus. So Paul's going to give us some reminders. So let me share these with you. we got several right here. He begins by saying, we are saints. We're holy. We're set apart. We're different. Some days we may not feel that way, but he said, I want to remind you that we are saints. He goes on and says, we are faithful. We are faithful. We're not quitters is what that word means. We don't give up. As we live each day, we're not quitters. He goes on to say, we are blessed. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God didn't short us. God didn't leave something out. We can't buy these, we can't earn these, we don't deserve these, but we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. He goes on, he says, we're chosen. God chose us, God selected us, God wanted us, God picked us, and He picked us in Him, He picked us in Jesus. 
He chose us before the creation. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us before time even began. Before time began, God was thinking about us. This wasn't an accident. This was planned. This was purposed. This was meticulously executed. It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment idea from God. It wasn't an afterthought. God chose us, and He chose us to be holy, and He chose us to be blameless. He goes on and says, we're predestined. God destined us to be in Christ. God wants our destiny to be in Christ. He goes on, we are adopted He predestined us to be adopted. He predestined us to be sons of God. God predestined us. He wanted us in the family. God wants us in His family. It's His pleasure. It's His will. This is what He wants. He goes on and says, we're sons. We are sons. We're adopted as sons. We're heirs. We have an inheritance. All of this is through Jesus Christ. How about this passage from Romans chapter 8? Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. We are heirs. We are co-heirs. We are all equal citizens. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom. Paul continues, and he says, Not only are we redeemed, but we are forgiven. We are liberated. We are set free. Here's what he writes in Galatians. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We're redeemed through the blood of Jesus. The emphasis in this first chapter is in Jesus, in Christ, in Him, through Him. All of this comes through Jesus Christ. We are redeemed through His blood. We are redeemed. We are brought, we are bought back. We are returned to our rightful owner, which is God. We are forgiven. The guilt has been removed. The price has been paid. It's been paid in full by God. We don't make any payment. God has already made the payment. And God gives His grace richly. He lavishes it on us. God extravagantly gives us His grace in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He continues and says, God made known known to us. We are informed. We are informed. God's not trying to keep us out of the loop. God wants us to know. He wants us to know His plan. He wants us to know His will. He wants us to know the mystery of His will. We can't say that we don't know what God's will is for our lives because we are informed. Again, all of this brings God pleasure. He continues and says, we are purposed. We are purposed in Christ. All of these blessings in Christ, through Christ, in Him. He repeats and he says, you're chosen. You're predestined. Chosen and predestined according to His plan. According to God's plan. God has a plan. And He works out everything in His plan. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works. He works out everything. Just because you don't see God working doesn't mean God isn't working. God is always working to conform us with the purpose of His will. That's called obedience. When we do things according to His will, He continues and says, We are included. We are included. God wants us to be part of these blessings. He includes us in these blessings. He continues, We are saved. 
He talks about the gospel of your salvation. We heard the word of truth. We heard the gospel that saves. Paul says, we are marked. You are marked in Him. Again, we're labeled. We're holy. We're set apart. We're different. We're marked with a seal. And that seal is the Holy Spirit. And here's where we get the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we become Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit. When we become Christ followers, we receive the Spirit of God. He indwells us. He lives inside of us. He prompts us. He leads us. He guides us. He realigns us. And then how about this one? He says we are guaranteed, guaranteed. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing, guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing until we are redeemed. We are God's possession, and the Holy Spirit is a deposit that guarantees that we are His possession. You know, one thing that's kind of interesting is we've kind of blown through verses 3 down to verse 14, and in the original language in the Greek, that's just one sentence. It's just one sentence. It's one long sentence where Paul wants us to know, these are your blessings in Jesus Christ. This is who you are. These are your blessings. This is what you need to remind yourself of on a regular basis. Again, the emphasis is these are your blessings in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have these blessings. You can't buy these blessings. You can't earn these blessings. These blessings come by being in Christ. These blessings come from God alone. These are God at work in us. This is an activity that we produce. This is activity that God produces in us. This is not something that God's going to do. This is something God's already done. These are spiritual blessings, and the only way to get those is to be in Christ. So again, Paul's reminding us, this is who you are. This is who you are. And this is how God sees you. And we need to live with an awareness of who we are. We need to live with an awareness so that we can experience the power of God. This is the kind of language we need to be feeding our souls. We need constant reminders of who we are. We need constant reminders of how God sees us. Listen, folks, this is not the power of positive thinking. This is positive thinking about the power of God. This is not self-talk. This is God talk. I think we really need to grasp this. I think we need to grasp who we are. I think we need to understand that we have value because of who we are in Jesus Christ. That's how much God loves us. He redeemed us. He liberated us. He set us free. We don't have to be enslaved to our sins. We don't have to hide our sins in the closet. We don't have to fight the the guilt and the doubt anymore. We don't have to carry around that baggage because Jesus has set us free through these spiritual blessings. Listen, some of you have no problem playing positive messages about yourself. You have no problem telling yourself that you're capable and you're lovable and you're good and you're healthy. But there's a lot of people who consistently play negative messages about themselves and they're constantly telling themselves that they're incompetent and they're unlovable and they're bad and they're sinful. And Paul said, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. 
Listen, folks, I, I know you know this, but healthy messages lead to healthy lives and healthy behaviors and unhealthy messages. When we feed ourselves unhealthy messages, it just leads to unhealthy lives and unhealthy behavior. Some of you struggle with who you are because you've never forgiven yourself. And if you can't forgive yourself, it's usually a sure sign that you've never accepted God's forgiveness. Once you understand that, once you sense that, once you know that, that you're forgiven and you're healed and you're whole in God's sight and you're valuable to God and you're made in the image of God, then and only then can you be set free to live the kind of life that God wants you to live. That's who we are. Which is why Paul ends chapter 1 with a prayer. He ends with a prayer. He's praying that we remember and he's praying that we live with an awareness of who we are because God that Paul wants the, the Ephesian Christians to know, and he wants us to know, that the God who raised Jesus from the dead wants to raise us from dead, unproductive lives. God's given us all the power we need to live each day, which is why he gives us one more reminder of who we are. Paul wants us to know we are empowered. Let's read. He says, For this reason... For the reason I just gave you, for all those things I just told you of who you are, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, your faith and your love, two marks of a Christ follower, faith and love. If your faith is not producing love for the saints, then your faith is not a genuine faith. But he said, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I've heard about your faith, I've heard about your love, and I've not stopped praying. I've never stopped giving thanks. I've never stopped remembering. Notice what he says. I keep asking. So he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. I keep asking that God grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better, so that you can live in a better way. He continues. I pray also. Do you get the impression Paul's praying? I keep praying. I keep asking. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I like this translation. The viewers of your heart. I pray that the viewers of your heart. I pray that your heart can see. I pray that you have a wider perspective. I pray that you have a deeper understanding. So that. So that. Here's why I'm praying this. I'm praying this so that you may know the hope to which you were called and the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul said, I, I, man, I'm praying for you to know the hope. Why? Because there's days that we don't feel like we have any hope. There's days that we've lost hope. There's days that our sinful behavior beats us down. There's days that we forget that we have hope. And Paul says, I'm praying that you have this kind of hope, the hope to which He has called you. And I'm praying that you know the riches of His glorious inheritance. But check this out. I pray also that you may know His incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power. The power that was at work on the cross. The power that was at work in the heavenly realms. The power of Jesus and His work in us. He talks about heavenly realms five times in this short letter. Heavenly realms, 
Paul wants us to know there's more, to, there, there's more than just what we see here on earth. There's stuff going on in the heavenly realms. Again, we'll get to that in Ephesians chapter 6. But Paul wants us to know we are empowered. We are empowered. Our days should not be routine. Our days should not be normal. Because God is at work. The power of God is at work in our lives. We are empowered on a daily basis and through our daily circumstances. We need to remember because on a day-to-day basis, we do feel inadequate. We do feel beat down. We do feel unable to do anything. And we live in fear because we lack power. You want to know the answer to fear? It's power. Not just any power. The power of God. The power of the resurrection. The same power God used to raise Jesus. The same incomparably great power that God used to raise Jesus. The mighty strength that God used, however you want to envision whatever God had to do to raise Jesus from the grave, that power, that energy, that strength, that exertion of God's might is available to every one of us. Every one of us, to all who believe, that I, I want you to grasp that. The same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, He makes available to us on a daily basis. There are many days that we live like that power doesn't exist. There's many days we live with our own power thinking we can handle our day-to-day circumstances. There are many days we live beneath our means because we're not aware of, nor do we grasp the power that has been made, that's been made available to us. And Paul says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. This is another we are. I want you to remember we are empowered. Power. That's the word dunamis in the Greek. That's the word we get the word dynamite. We looked at that word when we were in the book of Acts. You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. There's another word he uses in this short letter. Eight times he's going to use the word dunamis. Eight times he's going to use the word power. So Paul's prayer is that we will capture the sense. We will understand. We will grasp. He keeps praying this. He wants us to know this. I pray often. I never stop praying. I want you to capture the sense that God is at work in your life, in my life. God is at work in our daily lives. Again, the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, He gives us to raise us from dead unproductive lives. So here's what he says. All those things, here's all the we are's we just looked at. We're saints and faithful and blessed and chosen, predestined and adopted and sons and heirs and co-heirs and redeemed and informed and purposed and included and saved and marked and guaranteed and empowered because Paul wants us to know this is who you are. This is how God sees you. This is the message that you need to be telling yourself. This is how you should be living. Paul says, I want you to know this is who we are. And so in chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, I hope you read Ephesians chapter 1. This is who we are. And when we feed ourselves this message and we begin to grasp, this is how God sees us, that's going to change the way we live. Thanks for being with us today.